oh, she's like a badass. She's out there selling weed. So I work for a company. We only sell flour. All I knew about was, you know, people selling bags of weed, smoking bags of weed, rolling bags of weed. They have certified ganjiers now. So like a sommelier, she can dissect the cannabis plant. She knows it from A to Z. I can imagine a drug dealer saying, this isn't fair. My profits are plummeting. Welcome to another great episode of the Dre and Smiley podcast. Dre, I am super stoked to have on our, on our podcast today, Andrea Doyle. Andrea is a champion community builder, social sales social butterfly, dangerously soft-hearted creative who empathy is her superpower, cat mom. As an influential player in the recreational cannabis scene since 2019, she has developed national sales operations and strategies, grown a vast cannabis community, and has continually provided outstanding customer service to various dispensaries throughout the state of Michigan and beyond. She is an experienced sales manager that continues to create long-lasting relationships with cannabis operators and consumers nationwide. She has a deep understanding of the cannabis community and the women that are a part of it. She is currently committed to building a safe and comfortable consumption lounge for everyone, but especially for groups that the cannabis industry has marginalized. That's fascinating. Can you please, Andrea, <laughs> tell us? I mean, 2019, I'm in, I'm in Tampa, Florida, and cannabis, I see the dispensaries, the CBD shops. Please, just... Tell us about you and tell us how you got into the cannabis. Yeah, that is a big one. So I felt like I've always had a love for cannabis since I was in like my 20s. Um, and then I started using it for medicinal purposes. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to get in this industry. It's changed my life. I want to help other people. Um, so I basically was applying for every single job I could find. Um, I got in as an executive assistant for um, a cannabis company that is a multi-state operator. So they were in Oregon, Michigan, and then I helped them open Massachusetts and Missouri. So all the laws there are kind of different and wild. Um, worked my way up through that. It became super corporate, which wasn't why I got into cannabis. Um, so I took a step out. Um, I'm working for like a small craft grow now. Um, I travel all over the state of Michigan, just selling weed to dispensaries. Um, but the legalities of it are crazy. Michigan is unlike any other market. Um, we have, I want to say now over 800 dispensaries. Um, we have a strong legacy market. So the rules are changing every single day. One, one question before I turn it over to Andre is, can you define the gummies versus the weed versus the candies versus, is it all the same because of the THC content is, is what the deciding factor or do you treat the, the actual weed part of it different than the candy part of it? It is different. So I work for a company, we only sell flour. So we're growing that in-house. We put out about 300 pounds a month. We put that into pre-rolls and like pre-packed eights. Um, 
in order to do gummies, you have to have an entire production line set up. And in the gummies is THC distillate. So you're not getting the pure THC, all the cannabinoids, all the terpenes that are in the actual flower. So uh, unless you're getting a live resin, live rosin gummy, those are actually infused with like a full spectrum of the cannabis plant. Where if you're getting just like the regular gummies on the shelf that are like 10 bucks, those are distillate. They're not going to have the same effects as flower would. So cannabis. So Andrea, I have 101 questions. I'll I'll try to prioritize them. So growing up, um, you know, the only thing I knew about was puff, puff, pass, all that, right? So cannabis, how is it, how, what is cannabis? Let's start there. What is cannabis exactly? Like as a plant? Yeah. I mean, I'm completely ignorant to it. You know, again, all I knew about was, you know, people, you know, selling bags of weed, smoking bags of weed, rolling bags of weed. Yeah. Yeah. So cannabis is like the actual plant, the official name. Um, you've got a couple different options right now on how to break it down. There's sativa, which is going to be more of an uplifting strain, hybrid, which is going to be a balanced strain right in the middle. An indica, which is going to be a heavier strain that will relax you, give you the munchies, that kind of stuff. Uh. Um, but there's like a deeper level to it scientifically. Um, I should pass you along, my friend Elizabeth. They have certified ganjiers now. So like wow. a sommelier, she can dissect the cannabis plant. She knows it from A to Z. Mm. Um So it's wild, all the science that is coming out. Mm -hmm. Another big part of the cannabis plant is CBD is coming from that. CBG, CBN, there's a ton of cannabinoids. And each one of those has a very specific purpose. Mm -hmm. So CBD can also help with like your inflammation. Mm -hmm. Um, CBN can help you go to sleep. Certain things like that. And then there's another level that is the terpenes. So terpenes are found in every single plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so like lemonine is found in lemons, but it's also found in the cannabis plant and okay. those certain terpenes will give you certain effects as well. So with the THC, all the other cannabinoids combined and the terpenes, that's when you start to realize, okay, this cannabis plant is good for my endocannabinoid system. Uh... So it's not going to be the same for everybody. And I think that's just a plant medicine experience, like each their own. But that's the gist of it. Okay. Yeah, that helps quite a bit. Because again, I had, okay. I had no idea. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are, a number of them are probably in the same place I'm in, in terms of, you know, what is cannabis? I, I've heard of all these different types of ways it's, con- ways it's been consumed. Gummies, brownies, smoking, it, et cetera, et cetera. So, so let's get into that. So in terms of consumption of cannabis, right? So... Mm-hmm. There's what are the different ways it can be consumed? And then I have a follow-up question to that. Yeah. Um, basic way is gonna be flour. Um, if you're going into a dispensary, you can buy it as a pre-roll, which is not gonna be your freshest option. Um, you can buy it in like a pre-packed bag, or you can buy it bulk. Um, that depends on your state laws and what state you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's cartridges if you're into smoking batteries and vapes Mm -hmm. um there's gummies there's chocolates there's infused popcorn there's pretzels 
um, all the good snacks. Um, I had infused Cheez-Its last week. Um, there's tinctures, which are more of a concentrated form. There's RSO that's super helpful for cancer patients. Um, if you go into a dispensary, once again, depending on what state and where you're at in the process, you can find almost any way to consume. There's also, uh, my favorite way is concentrates where they extract directly from the plant. So if you'll see like wax, butters, they come in little containers and you can dab those at like a higher temp, but that's more for the very experienced user. Interesting. Yeah, this this whole conversation, I have to admit, I feel like I'm in the era of prohibition. And, you know, everyone's like secretly <laughs> yeah. in the back rooms drinking yeah. alcohol. And we're now talking about <laughs> different types of alcohol, how easy it is to consume, et cetera. So, um, yes. so what area have you found? Because you've, you've been in the industry for a while, it sounds like. What yeah. area is the most profitable? Is it growing? Is it selling? That depends on how you're operating. So within the industry, there's kind of a a small divide right now. So there's MSOs, which are the big corporate multi-state operators. And then you have your smaller legacy mom and pops, those who have been doing it since the legacy days and have finally transitioned over. Okay. Um, I've found that a lot of the bigger corporate ones they can pump out a lot of cannabis, but it's not exactly quality. So it depends on how they sell that. Um, everyone got into cannabis in Michigan like five years ago thinking it was going to be a gold rush. We were selling bulk pounds at 4000 a pound. Wow. Now we're selling them for 1200 because the market got oversaturated and crashed. So <laughs> if... I personally, because I'm in dispos all day, I think the small mom and pop disco shops are the ones killing it right now. The customer service is winning out at the end. Okay. And they're killing it because primarily because of their customer service or is yeah. it also because so of they, the product? They have a that product. too. They have a better product usually. Um, they have more connections from like the caregiver days. Um they usually are more welcoming. The store feels more homey. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in a mom and pop dispo, they know all their customers by name. They're coming in. You see the same ones over and over. Mm -hmm. Where if you're in a multi-state operator, the ones I've noticed, it's, okay, I'm just here because you guys have the cheapest weed and I'll go to a different place tomorrow. So it's the long game. The long game. Okay. And then my, my last follow-up, and I'll pass it back to Smiley here. So I was reading an article a few years ago where there was a, a guy in New York City that sold weed mm -hmm. um, on the West Coast, right? And he had a thriving business, right? Because it was illegal there. So he'd sell mm -hmm. it and he'd package it and send it over there. He was crushing it started to become legal. Everything was getting legalized. So his sales obviously plummeted. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you have a finger on the pulse of what's happening in the streets of Michigan, but is there a conflict that's taking place? And are, are there, I mean, it's hard to imagine. Big so time. Talk, well, talk, <laughs> talk to me about that. Talk to me about that. I mean, I, I, what, yeah. what, is that, what does that look like? Because, you know, I can't imagine a drug dealer saying, this isn't fair. My profits yeah. are plummeting. <laughs> Talk, talk yes. to me about it. Talk to me about that. It's very interesting. And it's it's 
awkward, honestly, for me, like I'm a white woman, the war on drugs did not affect me. It affected a lot mm -hmm. of other people. And now I'm allowed to work in this. So that is always the underlying tension, I think is a big part of it. So the legacy market has slowly kind of phased out because when states open, you always start as medical, people feel more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. um, so even then the legacy that are ca licensed caregivers are still doing a pretty decent living. And then mm -hmm. as soon as it goes wreck and you have those dispos that can offer it at a much lower price and you can just drive down the road and get it, Mm -hmm. that has started happening. So mm. it is hard because the legacy people can't charge the same prices as the people that are backed by millionaires. So they're kind of be, they're being pushed out and there's not much they can do about it. So mm. there's just this underlying frustration between everyone here. And there's also the other side where the MSOs, these big guys, or like, well, you don't have professional experience. You can't run. You don't know. You're not, you don't have a CPA. You don't have a marketing department. You don't have this. So there's these kind of budding of heads where we need a little bit of both combined. So when, when you mentioned Michigan, how I, I, every time I think of cannabis, everyone thinks of Colorado because I think they were the first. Mm -hmm. So how are the other states are, is Michigan close to Colorado or what's the difference between Michigan and, and Colorado? Um, so Michigan is last time I checked, it was like number two or three behind California and Colorado for the amount of sales mm -hmm. that we do. So we have a very big cannabis community that's purchasing a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that also comes from like, we're kind of like a, a blue collar state. Um, we're an agriculture state. So everyone here has been growing for so long. Um, and we're kind of seeing what happened in Denver happen in Michigan. So there's been markets crashing on the West Coast for a while now, too, because it's it's the same pattern. Everyone's coming in. Everyone thinks it's going to make them a ton of money. They crash the market. They move on to the next state. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. When you look at, uh, say, say a Florida, or let's say, I think that last time I checked on it, it's like 33 states support, or is it 27 or 33 states support medicinal cannabis? What do you think, say, 2025, 2030 looks like? Do you see it federal at 2030? That's going to depend. So there's still a few states that, yeah, you can't even have medicinal on you. You'll go to jail for a joint. Um, mm -hmm. And with certain states, like I know Wisconsin, they have a heavy alcohol market there. That is a huge revenue driver for them. And cannabis competes with that. So it's always going to come down to politics at that point, because those are the people voting on the bills. Um, I realistically, if they could even just pass a like federal banking act, that would change everything. Like we don't need to go completely federal. I mean, I would love it to be legal everywhere, but we mm -hmm. can't even like take out small business loans. We can't do the normal things that other business owners do because it's federally illegal. So you, you can't claim certain things like cash flow is always an issue. Um, so once that is in place, I feel like 
I know Biden has a bill in that's descheduling marijuana. And I think that will also help push these other states. It's just a matter of politically how soon they will agree on doing it federally. And then once that happens, I see interstate commerce. I see big corporations and also little the little guys. It's kind of like the beer industry. You have craft beer and you have Bud Light. No, I like that. I, I smiled. I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I when I came out of school, my senior year, we were the largest drinking, consuming state that year I graduated in 84. And we did not want to lose that title under our watch. So we drank mm-hmm. so much to keep us at that number one <laughs> position. And when you mentioned it now, I was like, that's exactly what Wisconsin is. It is. But I, it's interesting you mentioned the federal funding or the federal act, because then you could do bank loans and commerce. Are you finding companies like, um, I was at a trade show not long ago. I'm in the food business and I saw Kiva confectionaries. Mm-hmm. I saw, what is it? Trees and Sunderdome and all these different cannabis. From your perspective, looking at it from a corporation or business aspect of it, what are some of the companies that are doing fantastic or up and coming companies that you say, man, that's going to be a big company as soon as this occurs with the feds or this goes in Iowa or Wisconsin. Do you see any little companies like that that you say are up and coming? Um, not so much little for like nationwide, or, but Kiva is a big one. Um, Kiva mm-hmm. is actually sponsoring one of my events coming up in August. They're like embedded in the community they come from an actual like cooking background. So it, the chocolate's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. It's consistent in every state that they're in. They will, I think, be around for a super long time. Same thing with um, if you're going to go the gummy route, wild gummies are extremely good. They're in multiple states and they're killing it in multiple states right now. Um, they also offer certain programs that a lot of cannabis companies don't offer so they offer each dispensary a bin where people can come back and recycle their gummy packaging certain things like that that are going to differentiate them from everybody i think those will be the big ones there was one thing from your perspective as an insider and an expert one thing that you could wave your magic wand towards and say okay if my industry had this everything would be so much better. Is it the banking? Is it every state? Is it the regulatory? Because I understand there's no FDA in there because it's not federal. Mm-hmm. So the regulatory, the standards, or what is that one silver bullet that would just take you to the next level for your industry? Um, I think banking would definitely be number one. Um and that's that's also just because that would give everyone more of a fair playing field. You have people who've been growing cannabis for 30 years. It's amazing product, but they don't have the money to even get into the industry and they the can't scale. take out the loan. So, yeah, they can't grow. They can't do all of those things. So that would be my ideal. Um, after that, it would be compliance for sure because our regulatory rules are crazy. And how would you define compliance, meaning like the standards for the suppliers or the audit capabilities, the sanitation of the facilities? Well, could you just elaborate a little bit more on compliance? Yeah, 
so everything, every state, once again, is different, but like everything in Michigan, there's cameras everywhere. And we have the cannabis regulatory agency. They can pull footage from those cameras at any time they want. They can request that. Um, their tracking grows. So plants are tagged from the very beginning all the way to the end so that people can't bring in different plants, different things. Um, they manage your waste. You have to make sure there's like a certain amount of marijuana waste combined with like kitty litter. Kitty litter. Kitty litter. What? Yeah. That was random. <laughs> yeah. It, it destroys it and makes it so no one can climb in your dumpster and smoke it. That is the basis behind oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like your your dumpsters <laughs> have to be locked up. Obviously there's like pages and pages and pages. Um mm. Store-wise, it's the same thing. Like, every single product has a very specific SKU, tag number. Everything is in a statewide system. Um, it's going to show, like, this customer comes in. They're only allowed up to two ounces in one transaction. It, will auto like, it won't automatically stop you. So if you sell over that, then expect to be visited by the regulatory agency. How will they know? Um. It depends. So with Michigan, you can make anonymous complaints. And so a lot of it is um, frustrated workers that are kind of coming out like some things are happening behind the scenes that aren't right because there still isn't a lot of oversight. Mm, okay. We have a ton of rules, but not not always a ton of oversight depending on what rule you're breaking. Makes sense. Makes sense. Especially yeah. if, if that rule can can negatively impact the bottom line. So I imagine yeah. those those are the rules that, you know, people are kind of turn a blind blind eye on. Yes. And it's okay <laughs> if we sell four ounces instead of just two. Um so, yeah. so so tell me this, Andrea. So currently your role is primarily in sales. Mm -hmm. Right. Walk me through a day in the life of you, the salesperson for for cannabis what does that entail what are you responsible for that sort of thing yeah so um my grow is up in the middle of the state so i don't actually visit like the people that are up there growing and when i say my grow i work for the company they're called chronic store farms um i basically so if i start my week i'm gonna go up and grab samples so um i get some pre-rolls some pre-packs that is all legally done through our system. I have to put that in the system that I'm driving weed to this specific customer at this specific time. Um, and then I drive all over the state just hitting up dispensaries. I meet with store managers to try and sell our product bulk to them that they then sell to their customers. Um, I meet with corporate buyers if they're buying for 15 stores at once. Um, and I'm basically just selling weed all day. That's that is literally my job is to drive around, sell weed, keep track of my relationships because relationship and community is huge in this industry. Ooh, um, yeah. And then I'm doing like pop up events. So for one of my stores that buys from me, I'll swing in. I'll stay there for three hours. I'll talk to the general public about my product, help them move it off the shelves. So then they place another order with me. Makes sense. Um, yeah. 
that's basically mm-hmm. what I spend most of my time doing is driving and talking. Okay. Yeah, you and Smiley are in similar uh, fields, which mm-hmm. is sales. So yep. being in sales, what's your biggest obstacle in this very unique industry? What's your biggest obstacle? And how do you overcome it? Um, we have a lot of competition because our licenses are unlimited. So there's only so much shelf space and there's a ton of product. Um, luckily we stand out, we differentiate ourselves, but it's still hard to push our product when you have other people offering the same product at a much, much lower price just because they can. Um, so working for a smaller grow, like the, the least amount I can charge you, that's like our bottom line. We can't make our bills unless you're paying that, but you have Mm -hmm. a lot of retail stores that have a lot of power over you so they're like well why would i buy it from you if i can get the same exact thing over here for cheaper and the end customer isn't that educated yet so i could get not as great of a product but it's half the price and it's going to make me money so how, how do you overcome that? How do you, because you, you have to keep your job too, right? So how do you, how do yeah. you? <laughs> yeah. I how do. do. You <laughs> um, I, I think it's helped that I've been in the industry for so long. People mm. know me and trust me. Mm. Um, as you can imagine. Yeah. As you can imagine, not everyone is super organized mm. and a lot of our meetings like, it's like, hey, do you want to come smoke? Like, that's our meeting. You want to try my products? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah hire it's a dream job. Yeah. It's I a dream job. That? Yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> did I get that job? Okay. I know. I, n- I never thought that that would be a thing, but that's that's a what? thing. Um, <laughs> oh, so, yeah, relationships, um, people knowing they can trust me. Like, if mm. I say a product's going to be there on this day, it's going to be there on this day. There's a lot of companies that aren't quite organizationally there yet because they don't have that corporate experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So my corporate background coupled with the relationships I've built and my passion for weed, I think those three combined makes like a perfect sales rep because if one of those is missing with how intense this market is, it's going to be really hard to succeed. Makes sense. This is something me and Smiley talk about. Uh, from time to time um, with one another and other guests. What's what's the next step for you? Like, So you're clearly, it's something you're clearly passionate about. It seems like you really enjoy doing what you do, what you do uh, based on what you've shared here. What's the next step? Is it owning your own dispensary? Is it um, leaving the industry at some point? Yeah, what's ne- next five years from now? What does that look, look like? Got it. Um... I don't think I could ever leave this industry. It would be very hard for me to go back to sitting in a cubicle. Um, and, and having to pay for weed. Having to pay for weed? Like, I cannot imagine. I cannot. I save a lot of money. I bet. I bet. Weed. Especially when you're doing sales calls. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um. But yeah, next five years, I'm currently, um, when I'm not working my day job, I'm working on opening the first female-owned consumption lounge in Michigan. 
So I have a business partner that's also been in the cannabis industry for quite some time. Um, But we also have a strong background in event planning and hosting experiences. So our whole mission is we're going to open this kind of community and event space where we can have cannabis cooking classes, classes for women on how to get into cannabis for those that aren't quite sure about it. Um, Basically a community resource where you also be like, you can smoke weed in there or I can take work meetings in there. Um, I don't have to smoke with buyers in my car. We have Mm -hmm. all these dispensaries and we have nowhere to smoke legally except alone at home on our couch. Oh, wow. So, so like there is a social community aspect that I think people are missing out on because I like smoking with my friends. Yeah. And sometimes I can't do that at my house. When, when you describe that, it, what came to my mind is a cigar bar. Yep. So is it similar? Do you need a special license for that? Like a liquor license or a weed license? Yep. And that's exactly what it is, huh? Yep. And some, wow. some states haven't even opted in for the consumption lounge yet. That's like, I think, too far for them right now. Um, we have two in Michigan. Um they're not quite where like I would go with it. So we have like a whole location where the community would use it for sure. Um, And I think people are scared. Like the, the license fee for it is super small compared to a grow or a retail, but they don't see the dollar signs because it's not plant touching. So it's right. been very hard for us to try and find like investors or people who believe in our mission because they're like, well, how are you going to make money? And it's like, well, we have a whole community calendar. We have classes. We have private events. We host dispensary days. Like there are creative ways. And also it's not always about making a million dollars. <laughs> and investors don't like that. Investors don't want to hear that. They, they, they don't want to invest because it makes you feel good. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. good. If you had a lounge like that, could you sell in that lounge? You couldn't sell, could you? No. So, okay. but also we know rules change in cannabis every day. So at mm. some point, like California, you can have it with a cafe with mm. food. Mm-hmm depending on how far along you are in the market. But we mm. cannot sell actual THC product. Today. We can partner with neighboring dispensaries to deliver to us, or people are allowed to bring in their own. Wow, that's that's clever. You know, I was driving down the street yesterday, literally last night, and I saw the doggy park, and it had the most dogs. In, I mean, I'm in Tampa, and I, we got doggy parks everywhere, but you usually have one or three dogs. This thing had about... 25 dogs over there. So I pull over and this guy has a bar at the doggy park and that's his theme. It was selling liquor, no food. I was like, wow, I've never seen this in everybody. And he stays open to 1 a.m. And I was talking to one of the guys. He's like, yeah, I come here all the time because I can sit and drink beer, make some friends. And the dogs are, are, are making friends. And this dude is killing it with the doggy park with the bar there. I was like, uh, why is there so many genius. dogs over there? Genius. It's genius. Yeah. So when you mentioned when you mentioned your consumption line with, with the cafe, I was like, man, imagine if you had a doggy park with a consumption line. Yes. Now your dogs is there 
like Scooby Doo. You know, Scooby was uh, he was on the Scooby Snacks, just like. Uh, <laughs> well, one thing I want to circle back to the business just a little bit. When you mentioned the growers and what is the infrastructure? Do you find that your cannabis, let's say your your companies, when you go to the farms, are they paper? Are they systems? Are they spreadsheets? How do you keep track of? all the rules and all of the tracking of the plant to the dispensary to the consumer how is it automated it's a lot of spreadsheets um and certain systems so there are a lot of tech companies that have come out that are trying to make cannabis more organized so we do have like normal crm systems you can track what mm. plant is going to which customer with the c of a um, mm -hmm. so everything can be tracked digitally. It just depends on which company you're working for. But I know in like 2019, we were all working out of 500 spreadsheets. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There was so Man. many spreadsheets. That's, that's, uh, so if let's assume before Michigan went legal, was the farmer growing something else like berries or sugar grains or, or, or just a empty lot or he was the legacy. Um, a lot <laughs> and of then them, he became, yeah, a lot of them are legacy. Okay. Yep. And then even some of the more corporate companies, they will hire from the legacy market because okay. growing okay. is obviously a very special skill that not mm -hmm. everyone has. Yeah. Yeah, especially okay. with all the rules and regulations that are around tracking it and that sort of thing. You have to be committed and have the, uh, like you said, the skill to actually grow it. So so tell me this, Andrea. So you've shared a lot. What's one thing that those listening and maybe others that know you don't know about you that you wish they oh, did? God. <laughs> I'm like an open book. People know probably too much about me. Um, <laughs> um, I don't. I I guess come off as like a really hard person sometimes. Like, oh, she's like a badass. She's out there selling weed. Yeah. She's doing this. She's doing that. Mm. Um, but I get overwhelmed just like everybody else. I've had a crazy week, and it's not always like fun selling weed. I get mm. that a lot. So it's mm. like, Oh my God, you must love your job. It must be so great. Yes, I do. Um, but it's also a lot of hard work. I'm not mm. just like a stoner who smokes all day. <laughs> so I think there's kind of a misconception for oh. some of the people that don't quite understand the cannabis industry on that aspect. They're like what does she do all day? And I work really hard. <laughs> How hard could it be to sell weed? <laughs> Well, exactly. it's sales. It's sales is sales, right? No sales matter what you're selling. Is sales is sales, and it's hard. <laughs> see, see, I thought you were going to say, because I've been looking at that cool guitar on your wall. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say you're a closet guitarist that live streams to, to Thailand, right. and you got a zillion followers. Right. <laughs> no, I wish. Those are my Those are nice. Those are nice. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, well, we're going to move into the final four. And the final four is just so we can ask some generic questions that we usually ask to all of our guests. And the first one for you is, alive or dead, if you could have dinner with any three or four people, alive or dead, at your dinner table, who would you want 
I would want Dolly Parton because she's an icon and I just yeah. love her. I think she's kind and would be really fun to eat dinner with. Um, I would choose Wiz Khalifa because I'd want to smoke with him. Um, I would choose Lady Gaga. She's interesting and I've been in love with her for years and she also smokes weed. Um, <laughs> I guess Dolly is going to have to start. Uh, yeah. If, if she hasn't already. <laughs> um, and then, oh, this is hard. One more. This is embarrassing, but probably Ariana from Vanderpump Rules. I don't know if you've been following the Vanderpump saga. No. It's a whole Bravo reality TV. Yeah, I've heard thing, of it. But yeah. Your listeners will probably, some of them have got to know. But okay. those, are my, <laughs> those are my current ones. Love it. Love it. Awesome. What's been your greatest success? Um, I think I'm like working on it right now with my lounge. So when I left the corporate industry last year, it was on very bad terms. I had a really bad like mental breakdown. I was like, mm. I can't do this. And now it's exactly a year later and I'm speaking on panels and I'm meeting with investors mm. and I have people that want to help me. And mm. I built a website, just like all these little things that I've done over the past year by myself. And then with the help of my business partner, Sarah, I feel like just the past year of me growing and thinking back to where I was last year, like I am a success at this point. You know, before I pass it to Smiley for the next question, I love that you shared that story because we've had a number of um, mental health professionals on to talk about the importance of self-care and, you know, and, and leaving those toxic environments. Uh, we had someone else on who... Her mission is to help women realize their their self value, the self worth, right? And That's leave those, huge. yeah, and leave those toxic environments. And once they do, it's like you know the sky is open, you know, yeah. and and the opportunities are limitless. So I'm glad you shared that yeah. story because it aligns with everything we've heard from from many others. So go ahead, smile. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you're the first one out of, I think we're up to 85 podcasts and you're the first one who, I wouldn't say hijack the third question. I'll tell you what the third <laughs> question is. We usually say, what is your superpower? What is something? And you and your description says, dangerously soft-hearted creative whose empathy is her superpower. So that means we have to course correct and come up with another question as to your, your superpower is your empathy. What would you say would be your biggest dream? My biggest dream? If, if money was no option, if, whether it's in the cannabis world okay. or saving you, just money was no option. You got a genie that gave you a trillion dollars, what would you do with it and why? Um, I think a trillion dollars could probably house a lot of people. Mm. So I would probably huh. do a bunch of, I'd probably build a bunch of homes with it. That would be like my biggest dream to like, because my empathy is my superpower, mm. it can also be my kryptonite. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. it's very hard for me 
to walk around this planet sometimes and be like, there's people that don't have homes. There's people who can't eat. Like, how awesome would that be if we all had the same opportunities? Mm. Because half of, I feel like sometimes half of my sadness is coming from other people. Mm. That's fair. And if we were all just like happy, smoking weed together, had a place to live, had something to eat, like my life would be gold. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> so let's let's say you were to write a book about your life. What would the title be? Oh my god. I've thought about doing this because everyone I talk to is like, you need to write a book. People would read what it's like to work in cannabis. Um something along the lines of oh, I don't know. It's got to be a strong title because I'm very strong. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like boss bitch or something crazy. Oh, probably- I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. There's boss bitch. I like it. I like that. Well, well, Andrea, we are so happy to have you on our podcast. Thanks for opening our eyes to the world of cannabis and just what you do. It's fascinating. It's intriguing, and it's in the news all the time. I we, Everywhere I go, I see these new cannabis dispensaries. I don't know much about that space because in my youth, I was dealing with a lot of the legacy, but as I got a little older, I had to shy away from it. But uh, thank you for turning that, uh, exposing our audience to that, and thank you for being here. Yeah, just to piggyback on that, Andrea, you know, it's, it's some, one of the benefits of having the uh the podcast is meeting really interesting people from all sorts of different walks of life um cannabis is something that you know has been in the news for probably a decade now in terms of you know the controversy that sort of thing and what it all is so thank you for coming on and helping to demystify some of it for us and uh bring some some clarity and understanding thanks for your uh, for your time yeah thanks for having me 